I think that leading with returns too much and not seeking to understand your investors before you go start talking about how much money they're going to make and everything like that. I think that's also a mistake. It's about really understanding their financial goals and deciding if your business can help them get there. Welcome to the Multifamily Real Estate Experiment Podcast, where we ask the question, do you own enough of America? This podcast was created for active and passive real estate investors who's wanting to own more multifamily properties. Each week, we will be discussing strategy for successful acquisition, how to implement risk mitigation control, all while maintaining flexibility when investing in multifamily properties. As a researcher, we use a scientific method to systematically test assumptions and then analyze the data collected to both increase our understanding of the problem and to identify possible solutions. Wait a minute, Doc. That sounds just like a Marine Corps planning process. Wait, what, what do you mean? What is that? What is our primary means of ensuring that we are successful in combat or even a training event? We go through problem framing, then we course of action development, course of action wargaming, and then we compare our courses of action and decisions, and we issue the orders, and we transition to the battlefield. Man, that does sound similar. Our goal each week is to apply approaches such as these to owning multifamily real estate by dissecting questions that increase your understanding of this asset class through an analysis of observations from both us and our guest. We are your two hosts, Hutch the Marine Investor and Dr. Heat Jones. Welcome. Now let's get into the deal lab. Welcome to the Multifamily Real Estate Experiment Podcast. I'm Dr. Heath Jones. I'm Hutch, the Marine Investor. Thank you for joining us today. We are at the best ever conference today. We've been networking. It's been an incredible conference. And we have with us a very, very important guest to the show. And we are so excited to have them. Today, we will be asking the question, how do you raise capital? How do you raise money that you need to buy multifamily properties? And who better to ask than the man who wrote the book himself? <laughs> Our guest wrote the book, Raising Private Capital, Building Your Real Estate Empire Using Other People's Money. He's the co-founder and president of the DeRosa Group. He pushes consistent and high-quality content on YouTube. He is a significant and well-known contributor to Bigger Pockets. You can find him on his website, www.derosagroup.com. We'd like to welcome Matt Faircloth to our oh, podcast. Man, it's awesome to be here, guys. Thank you wow, so much. Wow, this is insane. <laughs> a little starstruck, yeah. to be honest. So. Maybe stop with that. Yeah. Who would have thought, oh, right? God. Yeah, that's right. Usually what we do after we greet our guests is we ask about your favorite real estate quote or your favorite quote in general uh, okay. that you could share with no us. No problem. I got a lot. There, there's one, I mean, you know, I won't be douchey and quote, and quote out of my own book, cause I, but I had a good quote in my book that, that I didn't realize that people were starting to quote me on, right? Like they were Instagramming it and stuff like that. And I was like, oh yeah, I did say that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> which, which was to live a bigger life, you need to learn to become a bigger human being. You know, um, let's end right. about elevating that. who you, in, in, in essence, it's saying that who you are is a reflection of, like your life is a reflection of who you are internally, right? And so if you want to live a bigger life, you got to just learn how to, you know, become more polished, become, you know, stretch yourself, you know, have higher integrity, whatever. The quote that I was going to give you, um, and this has to do with just mindset, uh, and it's, Henry, it's a Henry Ford quote, which is, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. That's right. um, and think about that for a second, because there's a lot of people like, oh, I can't buy multifamily, or I'm not going to buy multi right now because the market, or I'm not going to because whatever. And if you end up, yeah, you, so you're right. You're right you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. But if you're like, no, you know what? I'm going to make it work. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to build some new construction, or I'm going to go and buy some multifamily, and I'm going to find people who want to invest with me. 
Yeah, you know what? You're right. You are. You will. You know, and, and that's I, I love that quote, and I, I live a lot of my life that way. And so, a, I, a lot of things that I take on, I envision myself getting there, and I convince myself that I can do it, even though they're, they're big, hairy, audacious goals most of the time. So, yeah, so I, I like that. That good mindset stuff. Yeah, man. So let's dive right into the deal lab, man. So, so Matt, you just came off stage. You gave you gave a lot of freaking golden I nuggets, did. right? A yeah. lot of golden nuggets, and would hate to re- to Thank repeat you. a lot of those information. But hey, hey, feel free, man. So. What we want to talk about is, is um, raising private capital, right? So, sure. so we're here at Best Ever Conference um, 2020. Yeah. What are some of, What are some of the recommendations you have for a active investor who's looking to raise money from passive investors? So it depends on whether or not it's their first time raising money or not, yeah. right? So if you got an active investor that is doing deals, they've been able to pull a few things together with their own money, maybe they're refining up. I've met I've met a guy today that's got 160 doors, nice. and it's all his. He's got 100 percent of it. Yeah. And and that. So he's uh, he he's got that but he's looking to start raising investors for his portfolio so he can scale there's that investor and then there's people that have already that are already raising and had to scale up from there right I, the, what I recommend people do is to make their money list that's the first thing you got to do is make the list of people that you got that you think that are in your network that could be a contributor to your business that could raise that, that could be um, with an IRA, with uh, different sources of money my book talks about three different buckets of money that investments can come from those being cash, IRAs, or real estate equity, right? right? So it's about identifying those people in your network and then list, listing them out and then just stay in contact. Let them know you invest in real estate. It's not like you're not selling, we're not selling snake oil. We're selling all, something that, that's alternative to Wall Street that they can invest in. So I, I, I believe that unless they're just a natural skeptic, they're going to be curious about what it is you're offering. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's way easier than people make it in their heads. Yeah. You know? I think one of the big things too, man, is understanding that we are offering the investors an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not so much begging you for money. They're not doing you a favor. Yeah, absolutely. They're right? not doing you a favor, yeah. man. They're not hooking you up. They're not. They, you are offering them an, an awesome opportunity to take their wealth into their own hands and, and to partner up with somebody that's a lot more hands-on direct investment than that has to do with what's going on in North Korea or what that's virus it. is spreading through China. That's and that's exactly going right. to affect the stock market and that's going to affect your financial future. You have no control over that, but you do have control over picking the right operator and picking an operator that is going to do the right thing with your money. That's right. You know, so we don't have a crystal ball, but you brought up a very good point. Let's talk about a coronavirus. What effect do you think that will have on the multifamily space in America as far as could be commercial or could be just Okay, so here's my, jobs. Here's my maybe jobs. <laughs> I mean, that the, the, the virus would have to get like an absolute, it'd have to become a real pandemic. I mean, right now, yeah. we don't really know how many people have it. China's been keeping a lot of things under wraps, and I think That's China's right. like directly lying about what's going on over there about the amount of people that have, that have outbroken with it and stuff like that. But if it became an absolute pandemic, then obviously it would affect the stock market because that would, that would blow consumer confidence out the window, right? Uh, a, a fall in the stock market is going to affect jobs and it will then affect tenant occupancies. It'll affect, you know, it, it'll trickle down into us. Is it going to make multi, is coronavirus going to make, going to affect multifamily directly? I don't think so. I think it only affect the global economy, which affects our rent collections and things like that. There's a guy named Neil Bawa that could probably diagnose <laughs> exactly for you on how coronavirus could affect multifamily. But I see it as like an indirective and indirective and indirect correlator. So you've raised millions of dollars with all the speculation swirling around about 
potential downturns that may be coming in the market. How are you addressing these concerns with your passive investors in the coming months? So we do deals that make sense from Jump Street, like deals that make sense from day one, deals that are either making some money <clears throat> or are on track to get stabilized and make a reasonable amount of money as soon as they're stabilized, right? We don't do deals that have enormous value add right, right now. I don't do, I'm not doing deals that I can raise rents 250, 300 bucks. There's people out there doing that, but that's not me. You know, I'm doing stuff that once I, if I can get, occupancy up. Like, you know, I'll buy something at 70% occupancy that I can turn around and get up to 90 and it'll make, it'll cash flow at 90. Well, that's a great deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's not a whole lot of risk there. So we like to do deals that make sense today. And I think that given the question marks we have around today's, you know, situations, it just, it's just prudent to do deals that make sense now. The way syndicators are going to run into trouble is if you predict the market going up and you predict we're going to sell it in year three for X, or we're going to sell it in year five, or we're going to refinance it uh, because we're doing this enormous value add play. If the market shifts, you're not going to be able to do those things. But if you buy a deal that makes sense today, that just cash flows today, you're going to ride that out. What's going to change? I can tell you, I was around. Most people weren't. I was around during the first, during the 2008 recession. And my rents didn't take a blip. My rents did not drop. My property values dropped. That's right. But I just, you just, you know what? What's great about that is I don't have to sell them. Right. <laughs> just keep hanging on to them. Keep paying the mortgage off. Mm-hmm. And I sold them and made a lot of money uh, years later. Just held them and amortized the debt and all that. But a, a downturn, I don't think, is going to affect actual rents. It might affect vacancy a little bit if you do if you invest in markets that are sensitive to that. Yes, yeah, so. so definitely a bite right. So doing uh, doing so the make, make money today. Yeah, so you uh, make money today, cash flow today. So you make business sense and you make dollar sense. Yeah, then that's great. So so even if we do have a downturn in the market, we, the multifamily space, as as we know it, does provide that capital preservation, which is a great thing we like about multifamily yeah, space. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Well, people got to live somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what, what are your strategies right now in terms of how much you're leveraging new deals in terms of your LTV, what you're trying yeah. to get debt for, long-term debt? Um, There's really conservative guys out there. I was on stage with a guy selling me he's 50% debt to, that's, you know, it's crackalacky, man. That, that's, that's, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, he's got stable assets. He's got that much. Also, like, don't go that, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, he's got that much equity lined up that right. it's just, that it, it's easier for him to just buy it with equity because he's putting the equity to work, right? Right. Um, if he could figure out how to buy it with no debt at all and just all equity, he probably would. What uh, what we do is because we're doing um, you know stabilized assets or assets that need a little bit of tweaking, we're typically coming in between seventy and eighty percent loan to value. Okay. You know, it's, it's it's pretty straight up. And if we're borrowing construction, we'll borrow on top of that and then refinance it afterwards. What's the strategy on IO in terms of and that's interest only for our audience? Who's- I believe in interest only uh, as a tool to use during stabilization because it, it's tough to pay fully amortized debt when you're trying to get rents up, when you're trying to get your bad apples, your property. Out. When you're trying to turn it around or just get occupancy up or whatever, it's very handy to have that I.O. period in that. I mean, do you really need three years? Probably not. I mean, do you need, could you use a year or two? I think those are, uh, most most multifamily business plans can get implemented in a year or Mm -hmm. two. So I believe in, in, uh, in that long for I.O. Yeah, so we talk about a lot of terms as far as how to structure deals, so on and so forth, right? But how are you um, communicating this information to your passive investors and helping them to understand the entire deal structure and how their money will be working for them? You mean for, uh, for a new deal? For a new deal, yeah. Okay, so this goes back to advice for new, inv- for new folks that are looking to get into raising money. We do a newsletter, right? So I do a newsletter once a month where we talk about here's some existing things that DeRosa Group's up to. 
and here's some new stuff that we've got in the pipeline, a new deal, whatever it is. So we'll pump the new deal. And I mean, we've been doing this for a while. So I've got a 2,000, two or 3,000 person uh, newsletter database. Right. And so any new deal we have goes out to that many people. It's, you can fill up a deal pretty quick if that's what you got. So we'll just pump it out to that. Uh, we'll have an offering memorandum put together um, that just explains the deal and the market and the financials and this and that. And then we'll just do webinars. So I'll probably do, I'll do like two to three webinars to promote the deal. And then we'll explain it on the webinar, lots of Q&A, lots of people picking our brain about it and everything like that. And then um, then we take it from there and go to and go to closing the, closing the money from from presenting it to closing and I firmly believe in webinars and the, and the reason why I believe in them is be, and I believe in webinars that are live not pre-recorded got you yeah and the reason I believe in that is because investors will get on that call and they'll ask questions mm-hmm. and then you record the webinar and you send the recording of the webinar to people that didn't make it and they can watch it and what's great is People people are asking questions. There, you know, people aren't that unique. They're going to ask the same questions. So those questions get answered on the webinar recording, and so you only have to answer them one time on the webinar. Yeah. And the new investor watches it. Okay, I get it. I see what he's doing. He answered the question there. That was the question I had, right? So yes, it just it just uh, enables efficiency a bit through doing webinars to present deals. I rarely present a deal one on one with an investor anymore. I'd, I'd like to do it on webinars, and I'll just do a phone call to answer Q&A afterwards. Yeah, and, and if you haven't seen Matt on YouTube yet, you definitely need to go check out his, his channel. He does Mentor Mondays. The way he communicates the information in terms of real estate and all the things, he, he's he got a very broad stroke across everything. And it's just, I, I had watched a lot of your YouTube, so when I was reading your book, it was like you were narrating it in my head, <laughs> and uh, I could hear your voice in the Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I wish I had read the book. You know that? I, didn't, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, you know, I read it as the author, but for Audible, I, that's not me reading the book. And no, I wish it's not. I know it's not. It's just some like speaker guy, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, oh yeah. It's, it's one of those guys. But I, um, I wish that I had read it myself. It would have been more fun to do it. For some reason or another, it didn't work out. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you hear me talking through <laughs> yeah, the pages yeah, yeah. at you. That's good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, super, super high, high energy, right? So is well, that. Yeah, and that, that's that's I just have gears. That's a Gary Vaynerchuk thing, by the way. That I just have gears that I get into when the cameras are on and everything like that. I just kind of go into high gear because it just brings that enrolling energy in. Well, it's know? very so, engaging. Yeah. I have to say that's why I do it. Yeah, because it makes people like, oh, hey, this guy. Look, look how look that's how pumped right. up. Look how excited he is to be doing. I'm excited. I'm just excited standing right. next to him. <laughs> Entertain while you educate. Right. That's, that's yeah. absolutely important. Yeah. So, yeah, the multifamily space is obviously really important for you, for us to to educate our in, our investors. Right. Of how are their money going to work for them? And there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it so what do you find to be your most successful way of raising money oh my most successful well i mean i think that is really just the um the newsletter i, I tell you what i'll i'll uh, i'll give an even deeper cut the 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 most the, the most prevalent source of money that we get is iras okay um probably 60 percent of our investor base come with retirement accounts and so i believe that more people than they realize can get into deals because not everybody's sitting around with a couple hundred grand just sitting on the shelf waiting for a home. But most people, like I've talked to people like, hey, I want to invest with you. But my money's tied up and you know, I'm waiting on it to come back. And so when I get my hundred grand back from that other deal I put it into, then I'll invest with you. And I said, like, okay, well, talk to me about your retirement accounts. Well, I've got a 401k for my current employer and now I've got one from my prior employer and that's just sitting over there Doing on the shelf. Nothing. Okay, great. Well, how much is in that other, in that IRA that you have there? Oh, it's you know I think it's like two hundred and fifty thousand. You know, it's like great. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation <laughs> about that. So people, LP investors don't realize how much access to cash they have through retirement accounts, and so 
that's my prevalent source that I try and focus on because it's the most common in, in America. I mean, almost every American has uh, some sort. I have one. Almost every American has some sort of a retirement account that could get put into real estate. Got you. Yeah, so definitely make it, we can make the money work today instead of waiting until we're 65, 75, so on and so forth to actually make it work the, for you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't realize the cash benefits of it now, but you can at least put it work in a deal. Right. I mean, and the, and the tip is for people listening, if you want to find an IRA in your network, just find somebody you know that used to have a good job, you know, <laughs> working at one company, and then they got a, now, now they got a different. Hopefully, they didn't, you know, they're not, you know, gainfully, or they're not, they're unemployed. Hopefully, they're employed somewhere else, but <laughs> they, um, They've got a new job somewhere else from their, their, they have a prior job and then they have a new job and their retirement account from their prior job is automatically an IRA, you know, and they don't realize that. They think that, oh, it's, that has to stay with Vanguard or Fidelity or whatever. No, that can get moved over an IRA custodian. You can put that to work within two weeks. That, that can be working in something else. So you mentioned IRA custodian. Do you have any specific ones that you work with? I get a few. I, I, I work with um, Rocket Dollar and uh, Cama Plan. Cama Plan's local in um, in Pennsylvania where I live. So I, I just I like that I can you know pick up the phone and call them, and, and they've been great with customer service and stuff like that. But there are a million of them out there, so I, I, I don't require any of that, and I don't get a free toaster if anybody picks the IRA custodian that I like. Mm-hmm. I just I like if they work with a custodian. I like that I have some inroads at that custodian that I can help them get the money moved if I need to. Right. That's my recommendation is don't take any fees or kickbacks or whatever for IRA custodians because you want it to be clean. Just build some relationships so you can help them move their money if they need your, if they need your help. That's all. Yeah, on a 55 unit we, we purchased recently, um, we use Rocket Dollar to move, to move those monies. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, and they're, yeah. and they're a good company. They're easily approachable, and, yes, and, and, they're, and their fees are very affordable. So. Yes. What are one or two things that do not work for raising money? What are two things that oh, you, you've either tried or oh, you see people going it. out and yeah. doing, and yeah. you're just like, it makes you cringe when you see it happening because you know that they're either going to scare away the investor or <laughs> they're not doing the deal justice. Oh, I, I don't man. know. What, what, I've seen I, a lot I love of things this, uh, this space Jeez. right now. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, know. I love that question. I've seen a lot of things not work. Um, I think social media like uh, Facebook and stuff like that gets overutilized with people pounding their chest and being like, look what I just bought. Look right. at this multifamily apartment building and all that. And I, I don't know if that's really going to get new investors to you. I think that you're better off putting educational pieces out on Facebook about like, hey, listen, this tenant just wrecked this unit. This is what I'm going to do to put it back together. Or, hey, look at these, these value-add tactics we're using on our multifamily. So I think you're better off educating versus bragging pretty much okay, on, nice. on Facebook and stuff like that or on social media. I think that's a mistake I see people make. And also, I think that, I mean, I alluded to this on stage. I think that leading with returns too much and not seeking to understand your investors before you go start talking about how much money they're going to make and everything like that. I think that's also a mistake. Start talking about like, I can get you 12%. Yeah, it can you know, start you kind to of sound like, salesy, right? You yeah, know, well, you like, sound like you're like trying to sell them a gold watch or something like that <laughs> out, of, out of your trench coat. Like, I'm buy a watch. <laughs> no, it's like, that's not what it's about. It's about really understanding their financial goals and deciding if your business can help them get there. And there are many people that I've talked to that I had the courage to tell, hey, listen, I don't think this is the right investment for you. Just so you know, I know you got money that you're really ready to hand me right now, but I don't think that you should be investing with me. About that. I'm pretty sure that, that builds a lot of credibility for future investments, yeah, right? Man. Because yeah. um, as, 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 um, as, as a general partner, as a as syndicator, it's important for us to understand our investors' investment strategies, right? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, think about that. I mean, you know, I, I've had, I've, I don't want to put their stuff out there, but I've had all kinds of people call me up that wanted to put their last nickel in to invest with me. That's number yeah. that's number one red flag right there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, so we definitely got to talk to them about their risk ability and their risk tolerance. Yeah. Um, we're going to move right into what we call the, the 
focus round. Uh, Matt, so if you're ready, uh, stand for. I won't look at it. I can yeah, see yeah, these yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. So, I won't look. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. the I focus, want to riff it. I love these. It's an acronym, these. you know. Uh, I know. In the military. I can see the focus, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, F is for fun. O is for opportunity. C is for communication. U is for understanding. And S is for success. Nice. So, yeah, so got you. What do you do for fun, Matt? I did a lot of these. I got a young kids. So I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old, so I spent okay. a lot of time with them. I took my son skiing for the first time this past weekend. Nice. Um, I uh, let's see. I, I like to make wine. That's one of my fun. That's another nice. fun activities I do. And then uh, sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm not. I like to play poker of all things. And so that's I mean that's something that I that I uh, enjoy like reading the cards and read people. So I enjoy I enjoy like strategic low stakes poker. You know, not yeah. not high end stuff. Just some low stakes uh, low stakes cards. Oh man, my side job in uh in grad school, I, I dealt poker at, at bars. So oh, yeah? I've played a lot of poker oh, in my day. Well, we, should, we, could, we could talk a lot about poker. Sure. All right. For O, opportunity, we'd like to ask, what is one opportunity that stands out, a positive opportunity you're glad you take, or one opportunity that was maybe not so great? What, what's one that stands out, and, and how did you seize it or, or walk away? Oh, uh, even an opportunity that showed up on my plate that, yes. that was a game changer for me. Correct. Um, there we go. Sure. Um, hmm. Jeez, I love that. Well, I would say I, I'll go with starting my YouTube channel and that. And it was just one of those things that I just was kind of a hobby. It was a little bit of a lark, something I was doing. I, I've told people before, my original YouTube videos I was shooting just to give updates to investors that had lent to us on fix and flips. Like, hey, I'll shoot, you know, shoot you a quick video. Yeah. Um, and then people started watching the videos that were meant for this investor. People started like, commenting on it and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh. I guess people want to see this stuff. And so I got serious. I actually under the under the push of Joe Fairless to start creating content on a regular basis and make a predictable schedule to create content. And that YouTube channel led us to tons of success. And it led us to, uh, you know, eventually led us to work with bigger pockets, yeah. uh, which led us to further success and stuff like that. So it, it's one of those like snowball things. You don't know where things, where walking through a door is going to take you. But I think that if you're trying to get going, you should try a few different things and try, and it's okay to try stuff out and see if it sticks and see if it works. Uh, and YouTube is one of those things that we tried on and it started to get sticky, so we doubled down on it and it's been great. Well, we I have that. to say your, your YouTube channel was a game changer for me on Thank the you. outside. So Thank uh, you. very much appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, so you, you talk about different ways that you communicate with, um, with, with investors. I mean, you mentioned um, social media, your newsletter, and also yeah. YouTube. What other ways are you communicating with investors? Um, well, we write a lot of articles. Um, I, uh, I do my best to try and add value to them. I think that we need to be doing, I, you know, as a company, I think that we need to be doing more outreach investor relations stuff about just like reaching out and calling investors and talking to them when there's not anything to talk about. Gotcha. Um, good, when I don't, when I'm not trying to hawk a deal out on them or something like that. So don't just call them when you need something. <laughs> you know, just check in and see how they're doing. Um, you, you don't want to build a well, or you don't build a well when you need water. Yeah, right, right. D dig it for when for when it's you know for, for, for the future, right? Yes. So anyway, I I think that that um, that's better communication could be doing. Just check in, follow up, see how's it go, how's it going. You know, what are they up to, kind of thing. So nice. All right. So understanding, what is something you wish you understood earlier? Oh, focus. The uh, the power of focusing, and again, you, you, you keep keep picking on him. I mean, we're talking about Joe Fairless, right? You know, we're here at his conference. I mean, you know, I can tell you the man controls something like $950 million worth of real estate. That's right? a lot. 
It is. It's quite a bit, you know, and, and I think it's competing with some of the larger corporate level, you know, entities that are That's doing right. it, right? Um, I think that Joe didn't get there by, okay, let me buy, let me do some fix and flips, let me do some wholesales, I'm going to do some rentals and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. He focused and tripled and quadrupled down on his effort to buy multifamily and to get his podcast up and, and all that, right? So I didn't figure that out until recently. And I went in a lot of different directions and tried some fix and flips and tried this and tried that and had a lot of different airport initiatives going on in my company um, that pulled me in a lot of different directions. And once we started focusing is when we saw real incremental shifts in our income and in our business. Wow. That's, that's right. So Joe Phillips is on a mission to has $1 billion on the asset management before he turns 40. Right, I'm not sure how old he is right now, but he's he's on his way to to accomplish that goal. Much. It's it not, not It's just in one one or two more little t- little ticks, and he'll be there. You yes, know? sir. So, success, Matt. To what do you you attribute to your success? Okay, so I think that there's three mantras that I think for success that have worked for me. And, right. and when I, when I do these three things, I'm successful. When I don't do these three things, I'm not. Um, and that is not quitting. Right. Number one, mm. don't quit. Um, the only way that you really truly fail is if you back out. If you if you have a setback, like, like something that slows you down, then that's all that is. If you choose to let that define you and call it a failure and you quit, then you quit. Number two is don't ever let your emotions get involved. And I've, yeah, I've done that sometimes. But this is this uh, this can be an emotional business, but you can't make decisions based on emotions. And so I, I tend to back out of the emotion. Have to, I tend to make decisions over time. I, I'm rarely knee jerk on things like the things like that in our business. That's trying to make a calculated decision. So don't let your emotions get involved. And uh, what was it? Jeez. Don't, oh, and keep moving, right? The momentum. So don't quit. Uh, don't let emotions get involved. And keep moving in some way. Like uh, the, the universe hates stagnancy. And so if you courageously put one foot in front of the other, even though you're not a, not a, you can't see the whole ladder, you can only take the next step, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You know? ML, that's an MLK quote, right? <laughs> that uh, that if you if, if you just keep stepping and keep moving forward, it will carry you somewhere. Good, that's you right. know. And so I I tend not to stay stagnant. And also, last thing is I try to constantly stretch myself. So I take I take on tasks that are slightly scary for me. Absolutely, right. So you push you outside of your comfort zone, right? I live outside my comfort zone. <laughs> nice. To the point. To the point. There's a book called The Way of the Superior Man, which right. is a phenomenal book. And the way the superior man talks about, if you live on the edge of your comfort zone, you get used to those butterflies in your stomach, the slight fear that you're feeling about being out of your comfort zone. You learn that, that it, all that means is that you're growing. Yes, sir. That if you feel that little tingle about like, oh, man, this is what got me in my head. That's not a reason to quit. That's a reason to keep moving in that direction. It's kind of like, it's, it's like that resistance that pushes back, but it's actually what you worry the direction you want to go in. Man, I wish we could talk All about right. this for two hours, man. But yeah. we have on time, and it's really appreciate you you joining us yeah, on this we, podcast. Thank you so yeah. much for agreeing to welcome. come do this in Keystone. We're looking at mountains out the window <laughs> right now, snow on the ground. It's incredible. Absolutely. All right. So for our audience listening to this podcast, if they wanted to get in touch with Matt Faircloth, how would they do that? Sure. They would just go to derosagroup.com. Everything on me is on that website. There is a copy of my, you can buy a copy of my book on that website. You can uh, tap into my YouTube channel, my wife's podcast called The Real Estate Investor. Her show is there. Uh, documenting the journey of the female real estate investor. Um, and if people want to hear more about investing with us or what that's all about or what it even looks like, that's on the website too. So just derosagroup.com is where everything is. Excellent. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have today. Yeah, man, that's fun. Thank you Thank again you. so much. This has been great. I'm I'm just ecstatic. Like I said, I'm, yeah. those butterflies you were talking about, they've slowly gone down while we've been talking. <laughs> oh, it's because you make it so You'll uh, be fine. Uh, yeah. So. You guys are great. I'll be happy to do this again t- sometime soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, we greatly, greatly appreciate you, man. And take care. Have a safe flight home. All right. All right. This is Dr. Heath Jones. And this is Hutchin Marine Investor. Out. Thank you for listening to the Multifamily Real Estate Experiment Podcast. Theme music, Zigzag by Kevin McLeod. Licensed CC by creativecommons.org. If you like the value that we provided to you, please subscribe and like us on iTunes. Anything else we need to say? And leave us a five-star ratings. For your hosts, Hutch, the Marine Investor, and Dr. Heat Jones. Signing off.